Welcome to Critical Issues Commentary, the podcast ministry of Gospel of Grace Fellowship, a non-denominational Christian church in St. Louis Park, Minnesota. This is Jessica Kramus, your host for today, and I'm speaking with Bob DeWay, Gospel of Grace's teacher and theologian and author of Critical Issues Commentary. Now, in this series, we have been discussing these uh false prophets and NAR charismatic teachers and all of their claims to visit heaven. We've spent about six episodes on that, I think now. Do you just want to give us kind of a recap of what we've discussed? And then we are going to look at status and honor in Luke and in First Corinthians. Sure. Um, the reason we brought this up was that Paul himself did because even in his day, there were people making claims of being important based on super spiritual experiences or heavenly visions or whatever they had claimed. So he gave his own during his full speech, right? Second Corinthians 11 and 12. And the reason it's called a full speech is he said, well, I'm a fool. You compelled me. Otherwise, you wouldn't even tell any of these things. Yes. And he told it in order to point out the thorn in the flesh and the grace being sufficient and that that's nothing to boast about other than to boast in Christ and the gospel. So we covered that. Okay. Now, in our day, these visits to heaven, as we said, it seems like it's a calling card that's almost become necessary. Right. I have a friend who's been looking at a YouTube channel, or I don't know where he finds it, but he calls me when they, hey, this guy is saying this, and this guy is saying that. Okay. And he says, there's hardly anybody that doesn't claim they've been to heaven. Right. I wrote about this many years ago, and it's only multiplied. Now, the fact is, they are trying to make themselves out to be somebody important and to wow the crowds. And the side effect of that is the ordinary Christians, if they're going to gain any credibility, it's going to be through being attached to one of these great people, because in their own life, things are actually rather ordinary. Right. And we hear from people quite often looking for a mighty man of God who supposedly has this honor, this um what would you say? <laughs> this well, status power, that they power, want. Power, revelations, healings, miracles, visions, anything that would make them powerful, great people of God that have something the rest of us miserable Christians can only wish we had. Right. And what we're saying is that setting up that sort of a value system is exactly what the Corinthian air is. Exactly. And it's what Paul's warning against. And how these people who are purveyors of the system totally are blind to the warnings in the Bible is utterly shocking. Right. They should be so afraid that they're going to face judgment. Yes. God for how they treat the body of Christ, which is addressed in 1 Corinthians 11, that it, it just doesn't register. Right. When we come back to Dutch sheets, probably in three weeks, we'll we'll see how quickly we get through these verses we have to cover yet. 
we're going to come back to the story that Dutch Sheets tells that basically boils down to glory to Dutch Sheets. Well, that's the case with the rest. And they certainly have many, many uh, millions of followers if their numbers that are signed up for their newsletter or their website or whatever tell us anything. But the fact is this is unbiblical and it's abusive to the body of Christ. Yes, and that's what we want to do. And some may ask, well, why is it taking you so long to get through this book you're covering? Well, because the topics are still the same today. The book was written in the 90s. Right. And there's so many errors. It's still out there. Yeah. If anything, it's growing. So you could choose from any era, go back to the 40s and 50s or the 70s or 80s, 90s. The same errors are perpetrated. The difference is now they have bigger platforms because of the invention of the internet and then social media. So it hasn't changed. It's just exploded, but it's still air and it's still not the gospel and it's still harmful to the body of Christ. So we need to address it biblically so that people have hope in Christ and his grace and not in being attached to some grand movement that promises things that are going to let you down every single time. Right. And I think it's been important to discuss the many different errors in this book because these charismatic leaders, they use the same terms we use, but they mean something different. Right. So when they say prophecy and we say prophecy, they mean something else. When they say praying in the spirit and we say praying in the spirit, they mean something else. And so it's a very slow process because we are having to completely and thoroughly define terms as we go through the book so that listeners can understand the many issues. And unlike the Priscilla Shearer book that we did in six or eight episodes, that was one main theological issue, which was the warfare worldview the Dutch Sheets book has so many theological issues that it is very slow going. It has all of the above. Right. It's sort of a encyclopedia of all the different errors that have arisen in these movements. One of the things that we have discussed a lot in the Dutch Sheets series is this idea of whoever has the best stories or the miracle guidance stories or gets the word from God They're the ones everyone has to listen to, and they're the ones that have the highest status in their circles. So this morning, you had sent me some verses from 1 Corinthians 12. Do you kind of just want to give us a preview of where we're going with that, and then we will talk through those verses? Absolutely. The the error, if you can summarize, there are many errors addressed in 1 Corinthians. I've been preaching verse by verse through it for a while now, I'm in chapter seven, but the whole thing boils down to these factions based on who has more honorable religious status. Okay. Okay. I am of Paul. I am of Apollos. I'm of Cephas. I'm of Christ as if Christ were just one of many. And then there are nuances of that. Paul addresses each one of them. 
Okay. So the thing that alerted me to most of this was 1 Corinthians 4, verse 5. 1 Corinthians 4, 5 says this, Therefore, do not go on passing judgment before the time, but wait until the Lord comes, who will both bring to light the things hidden in the darkness and disclose the motives of men's hearts, and then each man's praise will come to him from God. 1 Corinthians okay. 4, 5. Now, this is concerning people that are actually Christian. I'm not convinced that everybody in some of these movements is actually Christian. Yes. But this is about rewards in, in that chapter. Okay. And chapter three. So he talks about only God knows the motives of the heart. So we can look out there and see who looks like some great Christian. Yeah. But we're not equipped to make the judgment because only God knows the heart. Okay. So people have hidden motives that we don't see, but God does. Things that impress others may not even be valid. And so it's not our job to pass judgment about who's the greatest Christian for the time. We've covered that a little bit. Okay. So in that context, I was this morning again thinking about we're going to be doing some recording. And I was thinking about part of 1 Corinthians 12 on gifts. All right. So what we've been talking about are people claiming to have these glorious gifts. Yes. They don't claim to have some a nondescript gift that would give them no visibility. Right. And so I looked at the Greek and then I chose Holman Christian Standard Bible, sent it to Jessica this morning. Okay. 1 Corinthians 12, 18 through 25. And so in the light of the fact that Paul's theme is Christ crucified, the saints are all the Christians who are born of God and Who's the greatest, we don't know, and we shouldn't even make a claim, but we should be servants and serve one another by love and not boast. Right. Okay, so many of the errors we've been talking about are based on verses taken out of context in First Corinthians, whether it be as you prophecy or uh, miracles or whatever, and then... They're trying to claim they can teach you to have the great gifts of power if you go to their school of miracles. Right. And they claim to know when these things are going to happen. And where I live, there's the nation's glory barn. And so I get all the Facebook ads for all these things going on at the glory barn. And, and they know that next Saturday you can come and experience visions and healings and receive a fresh word from the Lord. It doesn't work that way. Absolutely not. And that's that's a serious problem. Yes. And I'm saying that from somebody who lived in that kind of a situation. Okay. For years of my Christian life. And announcing what's going to happen before the time is claiming to have knowledge God hasn't given us. Right. And before you know that any of these things are even from God, you have to have the context of what is being preached and what is being affirmed if something does happen. Yes. And very rarely is it the full-orbed teaching of the doctrine of Christ. Right. Because 
Jesus said, well, he, the spirit comes, which is looking forward to Pentecost, you'll testify of me. Well, these glory meetings testify about the great preachers. Yes. They may mention do. Jesus. That, in fact, everyone's like, see a banner, Jesus is Lord. But if you examine the doctrine, they got a blasphemous doctor of Christ. I'm not mentioning that particular one, but I've seen that over Kenneth Copeland's head. Okay. And he has a Jesus who lost his divinity. Right. And I have an audio tape from 1982 where he has essentially a Mormon-like idea. Okay. God living on another planet somewhere. Yeah. I still have the, somebody sent me that tape back in the 80s and it has his logo on it. I still have that. Oh, wow. And so it's, if you have a blasphemous doctrine of Christ, I don't care if it says Jesus is Lord, you have to find your terms. Yep. Equivocation. So now let's look at here, 1 Corinthians 12, and in the context. Let me read 1 Corinthians 1, 2 to see who's addressed. Okay. We'll go to chapter 12. To the church of God, which is at Corinth, to those who have been sanctified in Christ Jesus, saints by calling with all who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Here's the question. Who are these saints? Okay. Christians. Yes. And what makes them saint? a saint, by the way, it means a sanctified one. Right. It doesn't mean somebody who's been made a saint by church leaders later in history after they died. Exactly. In fact, many of the saints weren't even Christian. Right. There's no evidence Mother Teresa was a born-again Christian. Right. Okay, so you can saint somebody who wasn't even saved. Well, in reading some of the things she said prior to her death, she had no assurance of her salvation. Right. So God knows the heart, but honestly, those who know Christ have assurance because they know their sins are washed away. Yes. Rome doesn't offer assurance. Okay. They offer doubt. Yep. And even the ones that are looked upon the highest end up with many, many doubts. Right. Because even the greatest works will leave us feeling doubt. So the saints are Christians. Okay. That's who's addressed. So now there's a lot of material. Let's go to chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, because that will help us understand what's wrong with some of the claims that we see going on in these movements. Okay. So from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, 1 Corinthians 12, 18, but now God has placed each one of the parts in one body as he wanted. So the saints consist of a body placed there by God according to his will. Yes. That's God's business. Okay. You don't go to a school to figure out what part of the body you want to be and then figure out how to do it. Right. And there's all kinds of programs that claim to help you do that. Right. No, That's not how it works. In fact, that's just seriously in air. Yes. Okay. God gives gifts, God places people in the body, and the assumption in all of this is that that's honoring to God to fulfill whatever calling that God's given us, and people say, well, how do I know what it is? I tell them the same thing. Trust Christ, show up, and serve. Yeah. And you don't try to do this or try to do that. You show up and serve, and 
God will use you and it'll become evident what kind of gift you you have. Okay. Now you can say, well, I think my gift is this, and you don't have any evidence that anybody can see that you actually have that gift. Yeah. That's not how it is. It's not because I think I want to be something. But people who serve will become evident. It's the process of serving. Okay. Okay. So God has placed each one of the parts in one body as he wanted or will. 1 Corinthians 12, 19. And if they were all the same part, where would the body be? Okay. So they're right there. That disproves the school of miracles. Right. Okay. Um, the word for miracle is simply dunamis or, or work of power. Okay. Okay. But in the bigger context, that's a gift, but it isn't the whole body. Right. So you don't put on a school so everybody can go do miracles. Okay. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Well, so, and I think it's important to note, too, it's a gift that comes from God. It's not something you go learn at school. Well, God does the work. Yes. He happens to do so the context of the body of Christ and certain people are there caring for one another and God does mighty works. Okay. And I've seen that my entire life, but that doesn't make me a miracle worker. Right. Most of the time I'm the one who needed the miracle. Okay. So that's God's business. God uses the ordinary people in the body of Christ to do his work. Yes. And it doesn't exalt anybody. It just shows that Christ can use us. Okay. Now, verse 20, uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there are many parts, yet one body. So this is an analogy. Okay. As I've said in some of my preaching lately, this analogy, all analogies are simply that. They're limited in some sense. So we think of a human body, which is what the analogy is based on, then... Only parts seem to be attached to the head in some way. Okay. You know, like the shoulders and the neck or whatever. Yeah. But in, in this analogy, the little toe is attached to the head just as much as the right arm or whatever. Okay. Because the analogy is pointing out that Christ exalted, seated at the right hand of the majesty on high, the head of the church, all of the members are attached to him. All right. All right. Mm -hmm. So, but we can still learn from the analogy limited as they all are. Okay. All right. So, one body, many parts. Verse 21. So, the eye, again, part of the analogy, you would think, oh, the eye, the eye is right there in the head. Yeah. You're missing the point. Okay. So, the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. No, Paul is saying what would be a truism. Yes. It's uh, obvious. Or again, the head can't say to the feet, I don't need you. Okay. So in the analogy, we know that we need the whole body. If we didn't believe that, just wait until you, you get plantar fasciitis. <laughs> right. I had that all last winter. And you know you need the, that foot that's hurting. Yep. And you're hoping it gets better, which it finally did. So you see... The analogy is to get their attention. Yes. Don't go on this uh, mission to prove that you have greater status 
by being attached to an Apollos who wasn't asking for followers, but that's what they were doing. I'm of Paul, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas. Okay. Status by being attached to a certain preacher. Right. That's going on today. It needs to stop. If you're hearing me, stop. If you are a, a born-again Christian, you know the, and love the Lord Jesus Christ, trusted him alone, only his blood cleansed your sins. You believe he died for sins once for all. God raised you from the dead, that he raised from heaven. Then you're part of the body of Christ. You don't need some hotshot preacher who's trying to prove how great he is. Right. Or she is, depending on the gender of the preacher that you see on TV. So we don't need that. If we just listen to what it says, it would take two seconds to see that some of the most popular preachers are false. Yep. Because they're making, they're committing the Corinthian error. They're doing it boldly, consistently, brazenly, and without shame. Yes. Would follow any preacher who has no concern for the welfare of the body so as to seek honor for themselves at everyone else's expense. Right. That being said, let's just read on and we'll learn even more. Because it, so the, the statement is, I don't need you. Well, uh, they need our money, but that's about it. 1 Corinthians 12, 22. Yeah. <laughs> but even more, those parts of the body that seem, the word seem, to be weaker are necessary. Yes. 23, 12, 23. And those parts of the body we think to be less honorable we clothe these with greater honor, and our unpresentable parts have be a better presentation. Now, this is somewhat, almost every English translation has this kind of a euphemized. Okay. In other words, you put clothes on so you don't expose parts of the body that shouldn't be in public view. Right. Is that So you see what mm -hmm. his figure is. Yes. But yet that does not diminish the fact that in the analogy part, every member is necessary. Yes. Makes sense? Okay. I hope so. It does. Verse 24. <laughs> but our presentable parts have no need of clothing. Instead, God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the less honorable. So Paul says being clothed is actually honorable. Yes. Tell that to some of the folks out there. Let's go to verse 25. <laughs> Now, in 1 Corinthians 12, 25, so that there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. Right. So, no. go ahead. But just looking at our own church, I can probably say this, and you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. There is one wonderful lady who will be there if you are in the hospital. Every single time. That is her gift. We didn't have to tell it, tell her it was her gift. That's right. just what she does. And she has been such a blessing to so many people. That's, I think, a really good example of how we all need each other. Yes, that's that's what I mean. When I how do you find out your gift? You show up. Yeah. Be willing to serve. And 
to someone gifted, and that's what they do, it does that person isn't looking for accolades. They just want to be there. Right. And they pray and they visit and they care. Yes. Okay. Mm -hmm. And there are people that encourage others around them. Okay. And some people just come and they're just beaming with joy and love because they're so glad to be part of the family of God. And if they see a need, they take action. Right. God is at work doing that. You don't have to take a personality test or go to some Myers-Briggs indicator. <laughs> you, you don't need to know your Enneagram number. Yeah. See, what what's going on with all that is the fruit of seeker churches filled with unbelievers. Okay. See, if you have a seeker church, you don't preach Christ only in a most superficial way, and the vast, vast majority are unconverted. They don't show up filled with the spirit and joy and love and wanting to serve one another no matter what, because they don't have the spirit because they're not born of God. Right. So they go to a neogram numbers or some other thing that would work for the general public in a really bad way because it's a false religion. And then they find something that gives them a place or they take an oath uh, to be purpose driven, something like that. Yeah. All of that, dear ones, is designed to take religious consumers and make them feel like they're Christians. Okay. But it's not the gifts of the Spirit. It's not the work of God. Right. The gifts of the Spirit come from the Spirit. Right. Now, the other side of it, the hyper-charismatic NAR type that are promoting all these visions and dreams and healings and miracles, they would more look at First Corinthians and see what they're looking for, like miracles and prophecy and so on, but they miss the whole point. Okay. And by by taking that approach, you exalt certain people that are supposedly important, and you miss this whole section, which, by the way, is followed by chapter 13, which is about love. Right. So even if you have all these glorious gifts, if you're trampling over some widow who's willing to be give her all her money to the great preacher and don't even show up for a funeral. I've seen that happen. Yeah. It's just wicked. Yeah. So believe me, God sees everything. And the person who sends a letter of encouragement, who prays, who calls, who cares, who shows up, will serve even unnoticed by anybody else. Do, do, don't you know that God cares and sees that? Yeah. And the ones that are in the spotlight is the glamorous, great um, person of God, full of power that everybody should go to the me meeting to hear. Because it's going to be a glory meeting, which, by the way, is foolishness. Right. Uh, they don't understand glory. Um uh, Go back and read Exodus. Uh, that's where a lot of people die. Yeah. Staying under the power means you, you've dropped dead. Okay. Most of the time, if you're right with God, you don't want that kind of glory. It's going to show up and it's going to be bad. It's called day of judgment. Yes. But nevertheless, the people loving and serving and giving aren't asking for anything. 
Yes. As you were just mentioning, Jessica, they show up, they're there, they care for you. Yeah. I've seen that when I was the very, very needy one. Yeah. Certain people dished me and others showed up and, and stuck with me no matter how bad it got. Right. All right. We're almost out of time. Do you want to give us a one minute wrap up? Did I do the last verse? I think I did. Let me conclude with it again. Okay. That there would be no division in the body, but that the members would have the same concern for each other. Ever, Whatever honor there is, is before God, not man. And it applies to each one. Yes. Not who we think is honorable. Okay. And sadly, this simple teaching followed in chapter, there's some more verses in chapter 13, is mostly missing. Okay. The saints are those who know God. And we can't take, in our minds, the saint and say, you're lesser. You don't have the power. You don't have the glory. You don't have the Holy Ghost vision of heaven. You're just some ordinary one. And you better come to our meeting if you want to get anything extraordinary. Right. Believe it. Being an ordinary Christian, saints, having been sanctified, 1 Corinthians 1, 2, saints by calling, who call on the name of the Lord. That's all the status that we need. Amen. We are out of time for this edition of Critical Issues Commentary Radio. You can access this episode and many others, as well as years worth of articles at the website cicministry.org. While you're there, click on contact and send us a message. We'd love to hear from you. We want to encourage you all to stand firm in one spirit with one mind and strive together for the faith of the gospel. For Critical Issues Commentary, this is Jessica Kramis. And Bob, you wait. We'll see you next week.